0: Final hour of the Bill Michael Show. Good to have you on board today. A lot of good stuff today. This portion of our program brought to you by our friends over there at KEMPS. K-E-M-P-S, KEMPS. KEMPS.com. And at the bottom of the page, you can click on the word careers. They are looking for CDL drivers. They're looking for people to deliver... The Derrick products, and they're looking for people to work on the production line. They're looking for people that are maintenance technicians for the coolers and such, and they are willing to pay. They got some sign-on bonuses, good 401k benefits package. And if you're looking for a great hometown uh, company to work for, they've been in Cedarburg, Wisconsin, a long, long time. So go to Kemp's, K-E-M-P-S, Kemp's.com. That is Kemp's.com. Click on the word careers at the bottom of the page, and they're interviewing now. So if, you are, uh, if you're looking for a job, there's a lot of people looking for a lot of people. I'll tell you that right now. But if you're looking for a job and you're looking for a career and you're looking for a good company, stable company, K-E-M-P-S, Kemps.com. That is Kemps.com. All right, uh, we've had two monkey wrenches thrown into this thing. First of all, going back to the Bally's issue, my buddy Justin texted me, and he said uh, this reminds him of going back to the old dial-up days. And uh, during the broadcast, because it's so rinky-dink now, he's waiting for the tone, Grant, You've got mail. Remember that?
1: Mm. Or the, the buzzing, screaming noise when you would hear when you would first connect to the dial-up oh. internet.
0: Oh, God, yeah.
1: Hear that noise <sighs> in between Levering and Dillard's voice?
0: Yep, yep. <laughs> so you've got that. And then my buddy Jim uh, up in Grafton just texted me and said, you really want to throw into the mess popcorn. Now you've got to, what makes popcorn? Popcorn actually comes from sweet corn. That I do know. That I do know. My dad used to used to do that stuff all the time. So he, I don't know what he did specifically, but my dad did it. Sweet corn, sweet corn seeds, the popcorn seeds, that's they're the same thing. They turn into, as they say, a delicious treat. <laughs> so is that what they say? That's what they say. I like popcorn. if If you read via the uh, I was trying to catch up on my my cornology, during the break and, uh, you know, what the, the differences and all that kind of stuff for what we've been reading. But uh, it says when you get into the specialty corn, popcorn contains a small amount of water. And when the kernel heats up in the microwave or the air popper, it turns into a delightful treat, a delicious snack. Americans consume 16 billion quarts of popped popcorn annually. That's 51 quarts per every man, woman and child. I'd throw it out there. there. There's more corn cornology right here on the program. Why we're not sitting there with the uh, with, with our friend Pam, who is the uh, farm de jour. She is just a uh, you know the farmers farmers friend. Why we're not talking to Pam about this? I have no idea. Because she's usually right down the hall on the on the Farm Network, the Ag Network. But. She's probably got more important
1: things to do than explain field corn versus sweet corn to us. That would be there my guess. There is
0: nothing more important in this show. She knows that. <laughs>
1: Just say it. That's what I'll tell her.
0: I'm sure that'll go over
1: well. Yes.
0: Yes. And she will give me a big earful of kiss my ass when we see her up at uh, her house in Green Bay uh, for a Packers game. So (laughs) no doubt. Uh, There you go. Fifty one quarts per every man, woman and child. Because I don't eat that much popcorn. I'll tell you that right now. So my question is, who's eating all this popcorn? Is that because they're talking about it being you know, toasted up in the Skinny Pop bags and the cheese popcorn bags and such? I, I do admit, I do eat that. Maybe it's just not me making it myself. But I've actually got a popcorn machine in my home. One of the, the type of machines you'd actually have in, in a bar or restaurant. I D- did buy one. Downstairs ago. at the wagon wheel? I, it is. It is a delicious treat on a night when it's kind of cool and crisp. And you're going to watch Thursday night football or a Monday night game. And you're going to have a beverage and a cigar and fire that stuff up. And then my buddy Jerry from down at Stenny's got me the Stenny's cheese salt. This Ooh. special salt that they have. And they sprinkle this stuff on it. And it is it's it is salty. I'll admit that because that's what the name of it is. But it uh, it's, oh, my God, it's so good. My favorite popcorn is the stale
1: six seven hour old popcorn in the machine in the back of the dive bar i don't know why uh-huh. that's
0: my favorite kind <laughs> it can't be too good it can't be too fresh otherwise it loses its appeal for me i don't know what okay. it is i'm getting a sense with you with the uh anywhere from the uh the couch pizza to the back of the corner of the dive bar popcorn okay i'm not, not, a not a high fine... maintenance guy no I like no, no 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 bill i'm not You're high maintenance the man my tastes are are not expensive i'm really yeah. easy to please I like that that's that that's a good quality to have no doubt uh eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy Dave says ever go to the movies and watch the guy eat that giant bucket of popcorn plus the free refill Whew! that's who's eating all the popcorn that's <laughs> good God um yeah that uh I've seen it, but that probably also cost him $74. So if you get the free refill, I'd take the free refill all day long, even if I have to put it in my pants and take it home with me. I'm, I'm doing it. Kristen took the kids to uh, see a movie. I think they went to see the new Avengers film. And a couple of big tubs of popcorn, the large sodas. I think they had one candy bar. I can't remember what else. There was one other thing. It was like 60 bucks. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And even her son said... Oh, we, we got to eat before we come here. This is ridiculous. Just because they've started cutting grass to earn money now, so they know how much money is. So now they get it. So it's not just a piece of paper you pull out of your wallet. Yeah. They understand the value of it. Teaching them so the value we, of the hard-earned dollar. I love that. Right. So now they, they're like, well, that's, that's a lot of money. I'd have to cut three yards for that. That's right. <laughs> so you, you understand. You know, you don't just swipe your fake chime credit card in the crack of my ass and out pops money like an ATM. Doesn't happen that way. There you go. You got to work for it. 877 uh, 867 Mark says, uh, hey, guys, uh, the Brewers right now up three to nothing. Corbin Burns pitching yet another jam. Is he back? Here we go. Another question of is he back. Is he back to Cy Young award-winning form? No. Is he back to pitching extremely well? Yes. He's not going to win a Cy Young, but yeah, Corbin Burns is is pitching really well. He's got another what he, I think, last I looked, it's bottom of the sixth. I say I think, and uh, he hasn't given up a run. Another scoreless outing that he's thrown up so far. I mean, knock on wood that it you know continues. But what I'd love to see is I and I I got to flip it back over, but um it was in the sixth. Yeah, it's bottom of the sixth with two outs right now. I'd love to see. Do you th- okay? Let's take a bet here. Does Craig Council allow him to come out and pitch the seventh? Because he's pitched very, he's thrown very few pitches. Oh, yeah. I think it says he's at
1: 75, 76, grounder to first, the inning's over. Oh, yeah. He'll throw the seventh. Why Why not? They, throwing, they used, what, four relievers last night? Yeah. Four or five relievers last night?
0: Yeah. In the way he's making kind of quick work of all of this, now they just ended the sixth inning. Will he come out and pitch the seventh? And if he goes again quickly, one, two, three, does Corbin Burns pitch the eighth? Oh, now we're on Corbin Burns' watch. There we go. We got that. We got all kinds of stuff coming up. We got uh, what do we miss? And then Mike Clemens, bottom of the hour, to round out the rest of the program, talking to Packers football. Hell, yes. It's a banner day at sea, sir. This final hour has turned into be more than uh, we ever thought it would be. And you got cornology along the way. Cornology. This just doesn't, you know, this doesn't happen every day. Just telling you right now, it doesn't happen every day. Uh, this is our buddy Jimmy over in the email inbox. Jimmy says, uh, "Hey, Bill, are you watching any of the World Cup?" Uh, the answer would be not really. I woke up this morning and I started watching the Open Championship. That I did, but I did not watch any World Cup. I have not watched any yet. I know my buddy Dan. Um, Over at uh, Social House. Dan's a a, a soccer dude. So, yes, uh, he has paid attention to it and he will pay attention to it for me. But uh, no, I have not watched uh, much of soccer. I know, what is it? um, uh, Christo Lampecht? He's tied with Tommy Fleetwood. And uh, is it Lampecht or Lamprecht? I, I can't remember how to pronounce his name. Anyway, bottom line, he's an amateur and he's winning. He's winning. Two over right now is kind of like what the average is. He's five under. The amateur is five under. Had the round of his life today. Round of 66 with Tommy Fleetwood. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, there's another one. Uh, Grillo. Uh, Grillo is there as well at 66. I just flipped over. Yeah, Grillo is at 66. Uh, You've got uh, Brian Harmon. And you're going, who? Brian Harmon. The American tied for fourth with Stuart Sink. But everybody else, um, Jordan Spieth is at 2-under, three shots off the pace. Siwoo Kim, a name you might recognize. Keegan Bradley is at 2-under. Patrick Reed at 1-under. you got Patrick Cantley, Hideki Matsuyama at 1-under. A whole bunch of people. Brooks Kepka, Scotty Scheffler, Xander Chiffle, Um All sitting uh, right now at 1-under par. A whole bunch of people at even. Um... Trying to think, Let's see where some of the some of the more notable players are. Ricky Fowler at one over, who just came. On. Cameron Young at one over, the mullet. Tony Finau at one over. Rory McIlroy at one over. John Rahm at one over. So that's kind of where it's at right now for the Open Championship. There's a few people that are still on the course late in the day. Tony Finau being one of them. Uh, but for the most part, just about everybody is Kalamurakawa, Phil Mickelson. They're still on the course uh, with about six or seven holes to play. But everybody else is pretty much in the clubhouse at this point. And then there's then I wish Tai uh, Tai Chai Tai Chai Cho is 12 over. And uh, this guy, thank God, he never wins a tournament. His name is Jazz Jana Wattenand. Where in the hell is he from? Huh. Jan Jazz Jazz J A Z Z is his first name. Jana Anand. A-N-A-N-O-N-D. Jan Jane. Jana Watt-anond. Jane Awatnand. Jane Watanand. At 10 over. Thank God he's not winning. Otherwise, we'd have to say that damn name every day. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. People probably I felt am... the same
1: about Giannis first couple of years. It's like, oh, oh this, God, yeah. This guy's you relevant. You yes. gotta learn his name. Um,
0: I had to go to, when we went to the Bucs, we asked them, and there was two or three different people that gave us a couple of different versions of pronunciation of Varenna uh, Kumpo. And then you just kind of got it into your head, just like Cher, just calling Giannis. Just get rid of the last name. Uh, and then I remember the, the big story was whoever makes up the Bucks jerseys, uh, were they going to be able to fit the entire name on there or just put Giannis on the back and call it a day? And they did, obviously, but uh, they had to shrink down the font size to be able to get a Denacumpo on the back of his jersey. So, anyway, there you go. Uh, let's do this. We're going to step out, take a quick break. We'll come back. What did we miss is coming up. So, stay tuned for that. We got a whole lot more coming up right after this. Hang in there. More of the Bill Michael Show next. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
1: Welcome to Paula.
0: Hi. Come to my attention, I need new
1: windows. You do? Hey, sweetie, what's this? My art project. Honey, it's rotten, we need to toss it. Then why do we have to keep our rotten windows, Dad? Well, you came to the right place. Pell has a limited lifetime warranty on our wood windows, so this doesn't happen again. Thank you. Visit PellawI.com
2: today.
0: Good to have you back. Phil Michael, show. We continue on. Were um, just watching all the soccer discussion over on the live stream. <laughs> uh, Rich says, does Mike live at the Bay Motel during training camp? Um, I think he manages it. I think he's also the custodian, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And he's the cook at the Bay Family Restaurant. So Mike does it all. Well, he's got to stay crow. busy when he's not covering yeah. the Packers. He's not busy right. enough. Second job. Keeps his, keeps his figure. So, yeah, that's how he, you know, gets his steps in on a daily basis, you know, when you wear those Fitbits. So, <laughs> all right, it's time. Let's uh, let's ask the question so far today. What do we miss?
1: Well, I have three things written down. The first thing, and I just saw this about 20 minutes ago, I think it just became public knowledge. Vikings rookie wide receiver Jordan Addison stopped for driving his Lamborghini 140 miles per hour in a 55 per Minnesota State Patrol's statement. More to follow. Yeah, that's their first-round
0: rookie. That's not good. Um, I will say this. Who was the uh, – speaking of driving fast, who was the Wisconsin Badger? It was it a linebacker? Just got pulled over for doing 107 uh, or something like that?
1: Shoot. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. Tip of my tongue.
0: Yeah. But, uh, you know, a, a, if you're going to buy a Lamborghini – and I'm going to say this, and I know every, and my son is in law enforcement, so I I, I know it's going to cause his skin to, to crawl. But if you're going to buy a Lamborghini at some point on an empty road, you want to light it up. I get it. The problem is you can't do it, one, and get caught. And the second thing is you can't do it if you're a high profile person. Then again, if you got a Lamborghini, chances are you're a high profile person to begin with. But take it somewhere that you can run that thing. But, yeah, the 147 miles. Like, if I had a Lamborghini, I would call my buddy John up at Road America. I'd say, hey, I'm going to come on up. Can I drive the track? Can I do that? Have you ever seen that, by the way, Grant? I've never been, to, cars?
1: never been to Road America.
0: Oh, my God. They bring the vintage cars in. And some of these guys, they have uh, the vintage cars, the Trans Am. And, and some of these guys just have really high-end cars. And they want to run them and race them. And so they don't race them to the point where they're, kind of banging on another car. It's not like, you know, NASCAR, where you're banging on each other trying to get around a track. But some of these guys bring their own car that is hundreds of thousands of dollars, and then they wreck them. Oh, and you see some of these fiberglass and composite cars, (laughs) their, their shells and chassis are just blown up. Oh, my God, I can't imagine that. Spending all that, now, if you have that kind of money, maybe you don't care, but I can't imagine that, spending all that kind of money. And then going and wrecking it somewhere. But I got to admit, I ha- look. I've, I've you know had a couple of fast cars in my day, and I've lit it up when I've ha- when I've had a chance to. So, anyway, that's I, why I, I don't own a dumb, Lamborghini, right? Too many it's, eyeballs. It's ca- that's the reason I don't have concealed carry because there's too many idiots on the road, and I would be pegging drivers. <laughs> Those people that sit in the left-hand lane that do 55 alongside a truck, they'd be done we'd start with them and then you, and then anybody anybody from Chicago just done you know i'd be just pegging people man i I'd, I'd be on a spree before they ended up catching me oh so my that's God. the reason i don't have concealed carry That's me on
1: the belt line every morning zen there you go same cool, thing cool calm collected uh something yep. else that we haven't brought up today it's the 2 year anniversary of the bucks winning the finals i was um looking back at some snapchat memories of the night i celebrated with yeah. some buddies back in the cross do you have any memories from this night 2 years ago today bill
0: I remember, see, here's the weird thing, Grant, is when championships happen, I, I am not the screaming and yelling and jumping up and down and high-fiving. I just sit and take it all in. And I remember sitting there, watching it, taking it all in. I was down at the Pfizer Forum, and the crowd was immense. And where uh, I was, I was up top in that lookout over the Deer District. So you knew time was winding down. I ran out there, and I was overlooking the Deer District to watch the Deer District go crazy. So I was standing in the midst of it and above it, but it was the coolest thing ever. And then I got out of there because the place was going nuts, and I zipped down the street to a Calderon club, and I had a celebratory pizza. <laughs> but I just – I it was – I'll never forget it. Never forget it. Uh, it was just one of the, one of the highlights, uh, you know. I remember – like, Game 7 of the World Series when Cincinnati beat Boston. And my mom, for the first time, uh, told me, you know, you got to take a cowbell, you run out on the front, front porch, you ring the cowbell, you go crazy. And then the next year, when Cincinnati, the big red machine, just blew their way right through the postseason, dominated the big, giant, mighty Yankees, Sparky Anderson's crew beat them, did the exact same thing, went down to Fountain Square, downtown, or downtown Cincinnati, went crazy. And then when they won it again in 90, and, and that team was amazing, and Lou Pinella, and how they weren't supposed to be there, and they beat the almighty Oakland A's with Eckersley and everybody and the Bash brothers and everything, and that was crazy. So I remember all of that. But this was – maybe it's just because it's more recent, I don't know, but it was just – there was something about being around a fan base that had been so starved for a championship in one particular aspect for so long. And just to see people, like, openly crying and hugging – and it wasn't like people were setting the, the, nobody was setting the town on fire and pushing dumpsters down the street. It was just, it was just great jubilation. And that that's what I appreciated about the night. Well, it was cool to see Giannis. I,
1: I know I'm a Bucks fan, yeah. so I'm going to think that Giannis' story is maybe cooler and, and more special than some, but that's about as good of a sports story as you can Right, yeah. right. His upbringing, the way he he came here, and then had to fail a couple of times in the playoffs, and people started to doubt him, and then to have that moment and to hit all those free throws in Game Six in a closeout game and score fifty. It's like that's yep. that's about as as good as sports get. And Bill, like I've seen the Packers win a title, and I've seen the Brewers go on these deep runs. I I can say genuinely that what Giannis did was inspiring. And sports mm-hmm. aren't always inspiring. They're they're entertaining. Right, yeah. they, we get a kick out of them, but to actually be inspired, that only ever happens once in a blue moon. That's what I remember about right.
0: what Giannis did in Game Six. Mm-hmm. No, I, I'm I'm right there with you. It was fan- It was a hell of a night, no doubt. Uh, lastly, I guess Madden ratings are out.
1: Jair Alexander's a 95. That makes him the second highest rated corner in the NFL. I see a lot of Packers fan discourse about that. Are you a guy that's big into Madden ratings? Don't give a
0: damn. Don't I mean? I know people get bent on this stuff, and more so, I'm more worried about the cover of Madden, for the fact that uh, you know every time somebody gets on it, they you know tend to go down in flames. But oh, by the way, here comes Corbin Burns. I was just going
1: to say he's back. He's coming back. Out.
0: up four to nothing, and here he comes back out in the seventh. Corbin Burns pitching in the seventh inning, throwing a shutout right now against the Philadelphia Phillies. So good stuff there, but. Now, the Madden Ratings, I get it that there is some type of significance to it. It's kind of like when people look at Pro Football Focus and say, hey, you know, what the hell are you talking about? And then you kind of find out through the grapevine that some of these, because there are teams, God, this is such a fascinating topic. There are teams, and I just found this out a little bit. There are teams that they don't necessarily do all of their homework when it comes to scouting. And because pro football focus is supposed to be this new Bible by which players are rated, some teams rely upon it. From what I understand, Grant, now this is kind of inside stuff. Um, there are agents that will go to some of these writers and a little wink and a nod, an envelope, which may not contain, you know, gas cards from Quick Trip in it, and suddenly their guy... Their guys' rankings go up. So there are times when we have looked at things and we went, wait a minute. How did this guy rank so high? And then you go back and look at it, and you're like, okay, he played pretty well, but it, I don't know if he was the best offensive lineman that day. Now you may know why. There could be, you know. So when it comes to rankings, you always wonder who's got an affiliation with the gaming company, a shoe deal, an agent who has an agent. Type of thing, you know, somebody that's close to something, you always wonder. So that's why when it comes to the rankings of Madden, I know some people get bent over this. It's kind of like when we talk about the rankings. I'd rather go with the rankings in the NFL when they do the top 100 players. I'd rather argue over that than the, argue, uh, the rankings over Madden. But I don't t- get too deep into the rankings of Madden.
1: So We just need different just things to fight about and argue about, and this right? is just another thing on that right. list.
0: Right. I agree. I I think anything like that is great for bar discussion, and any bar discussion should always end with a uh, giant uh, sixteen or twenty two ounce pint being lifted, so therefore you can uh, imbibe and clink glasses and enjoy to come back the next day. That that's that's what that's what bar arguments are all about. That's the reason I like them. All right, let's do this. We're going to step out. We're going to take. Is that it? Do we have more? That's all we've missed. We've covered just
1: about everything today, Bill. Farm included. Oh, I was going to say we no. missed corn, but.
0: We didn't. We we didn't. Here's one one thing we we did miss, uh, and you sent it to me. But this would be uh, the absolute epic for one young Ben Kenny who cannot stand Victor Hovland and what he looks like anyway. Uh, is the fact that Victor Hovland during his backswing was crapped on by a seagull today at the Open Championship. Seagull flying overhead, he feels something, looks to his right arm, and he's like, "Did you see that?" Bird just crapped on me. I could use other terminology, of course, but Victor Hovland was crapped on during his backswing, which was uh, pretty exciting because I'm sure Ben Kenny is is giddy over that, knowing he is not a Victor Hovland fi- a Hovland fan.
1: So- Payback for Randy Johnson is probably what that seagull's thinking. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> All these years later,
0: there you go. I forgot about that. That's when he disintegrated that thing. It just was a puffball in uh, in feathers, and that was the end of it, man. Big time. By the way, Corbin Burns hit a batter. Hit a batter, and on an up and in fastball, so they've got a runner, but uh, still four to nothing Brewers. All right, let's do this. Mike Clement's going to join us coming up here at the bottom of the hour. Stay tuned. We got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show. A couple of segments yet to go. Hang in there. We'll be back right after this. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
2: QuickTrip brings you quick hot savings. We're making a splash this month with our Nature's Touch Milk. Just $2.99 a gallon. All our
1: one-gallon, 2%, 1%, and skim Nature's Touch Milk is on sale and ready to hit your fridge. Oh, how can you beat fresh straight from our dairy milk that's
2: ready for movie night milkshakes or to make those morning waffles extra fluffy? Hey, we got you covered with quick hot savings only at QuickTrip.
0: to have you back. Corbin Burns throwing an absolute gem in Philadelphia right now. Two-hit shutout, only allowing uh, one walk on the day. He is through seven and thrown 89 pitches. Does he come back, Grant, for the eighth inning? Oh, for the man. Ninth? oh For the uh, bottom of the eighth? If he feels good, why not? Uh, again, you used Piguero,
1: Pyeomps, and Williams last night if you could get you know they're already going to give one of those guys the day off today because they only right. have two more innings. But
0: if he feels okay, you might as well. I would. I would bring him back. They're up four to nothing right now. I would bring him back. Just, just saying. We'll keep an eye on that. In the meantime, our buddy Mike Clemens brought to you by the Bay Motel in Green Bay. They are back with us for another season. So is Mike. Quiet, cozy, comfortable. Just a mile from Lambeau Field. Perfect for a family stay. Maybe even on Family Night. And the Bay Family Restaurant featuring that homestyle cooking seven days a week. That's the Bay Motel right there on South Military Avenue in Green Bay, 1301 to be exact. Call them today for reservations, 920-494-3441, 920-494-3441. Or just simply go to BayMotelGreenBay.com, that is Bay Bay. .com. And uh, he is fresh out of the back room. He was uh, stocking shelves. He was cooking there at the Bay Family Restaurant and uh, kind of the other job until uh, the Green Bay Packers get going again. That's our buddy, Mike Clemens. Michael, how are you doing?
2: I didn't realize you had access to the security cameras on your phone. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: all hey, right. I'll i go with that. topic
2: for the show. Who's the yes. best coach or manager in Wisconsin right now of the major sports? We don't know about Luke Fickle yet with the Badgers. We don't know about Adrian Griffin, uh, but Boone Holzer, there's some things that why he got fired, no question, but maybe a topic for another day. But I think Craig Council is doing a hell of a job as a manager right now. Mm -hmm. Don't you?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think he's done for quite a while now. He's probably gotten more out of less than a lot of other teams in Major League Baseball, so I firmly believe he's one of the best managers in baseball.
2: So the question is, is Matt LaFleur going to be able to do that? Are we really going to find out how good of a head coach he is now that 12 is gone and about a half dozen veterans that all seem to be putting on New York Jets jerseys today uh, and mm-hmm. starting their training camp? That that will be the biggest thing. Um, so what's on your mind as we get into camp? We're going to have the shareholders meeting on Monday and then camp starts after that. You know, what's the top of the thing that's on your
0: mind? Well, we were talking with Peter Bukowski, and we were asking this question on the show the other day, Mike, and, and, uh, you know, obviously everybody's circling Jordan Love. There's a ton of pressure there. But if you're a Packers fan and you're going into this camp and you say, okay, I have an interest in, when it comes to you going into camp, what is your interest in?
2: You know, I try and keep an open mind about this, and I actually made a little bit of a list here today. Because anybody could do this if they had the opportunity, the incredible opportunity I have, to stand there and look at every minute of practice. And it's a fun little game that I play, but um, I'm going to go through this quick list. In 2006, um, I'm looking at the back end, and I'm looking at some of the corners because they needed help at corner, and there's this one kid who was undrafted that just kept on making plays. And then in the preseason showed incredible speed, closing speed, like on coverage, on deep passes, or on special teams. And I talked to the special teams coordinator that year, Mike Stock, and said, what do you think of this guy? And he looked over his glasses and said, he's going to make it. We we like him for returns. We like him for this. That's when we had a little bit different access. And that was an unknown guy who'd been let go by the Houston Texans named Tremont Williams. Mm -hmm. And these are the guys that I've brought to you on this show, too, that say, hey, this one's fun. This is like a bubble guy that I think is going to cut through. Now there's other guys that are high draft picks, but you just, you just go, oh, wow. And so in that same year, that was Greg Jennings. I think he was like a second right. pick. But he's out of a small school, and you're saying, well, you know, how did Ted get this guy? What did he know about this guy that everybody else missed? Well, he's from Central Michigan. And then the next year, 2007, turned out to be Farbs last training camp. And Farr had to go to a funeral during training camp. One of his grandmothers passed away, but he came back, and we said, so what would you do? You know what, I want to right back to the tape because I want to see more of this 89 guy because he catches everything. He's catching everything in camp, and that was James Jones. Sometimes these guys, you know, are fairly high draft picks. Sometimes they're undrafted. It's like a couple of years later, 2013, Clay Matthews, was one-on-one with this one kid that was a fourth-round pick out of a losing team in Colorado. And by the third snap, he could not get around this guy, this tackle. And he took his helmet off and threw it on the ground. And it's like, oh, my God, look at this. This guy is stopping Clay Matthews, this rookie. His name was David Bakhtiari. So there's these little moments in camp where you look for that. The next year, the great Bob McGinn, from the Journal Sentinel came over to me. He says, about two weeks in, Mike, what do you think? I said, you know what, Bob? I'm like 64. I do, too, said Bob. Yeah. Look at this. Look at the one-on-ones. This this kid is strong. I said, where's he from, Bob? He goes, I don't know, some like community school in Arizona. I go, really? Mm -hmm. Because look at him. And his name was Mike Pinnell. And guess what? He was an undrafted kid who made the team. And then when you and I went to Miami, there he was, a nose tackle for Andy Reid. He blocks two passes from the 49ers and, and gets a quarterback sack and helps Andy Reid win his first Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes down there. So it just goes on like that year after year. Here's a, here's a couple more. 2017, Rodgers goes down with the uh, collarbone injury with the Vikings, and now you got, what was it Brett Hundley? And you and I are sitting next to each other, and um, the Bears game. And Brett Hundley's not thrown to Jordy Nelson. He's thrown to somebody else, and I leaned over to him. I said, guess what? I heard Brett Hundley say he was working out with this receiver on Saturdays, like they've got a chemistry. And he throws two key patches to this receiver to beat the Bears. It's one of the few wins Brett Hundley had, and that was 17. That was Devontae Adams. And it was almost like McCarthy was going to say, okay, now the Rodgers is out. I want you guys to throw more to this Devontae Adams guy. And that's how they, they moved on from Jordy to Devontae. It's these little things like that that happen. The last really good one was, you know, I, I, I told you last week at camp uh, in 2020, I think it was, I said, you know, there's this Malik Taylor guy uh, in the wide receivers, and he's, he's a wide receiver, they got him on jet sweeps, and, and he's returning kicks. And, and you went down the, the depth chart, and you said on the air, well, who's he going to knock out of those top receivers? Jake Kummerow? And I go, maybe. <laughs> and like September 5th, they cut Kummerow. Right. Rodgers gets really pissed. And son of a gun. So if you watch these reps, yeah, you know, these stories develop. Last summer it was Zach Tom, like the first week at camp. Because I couldn't believe how good that offensive lineman's footwork was. And, son, and now he was a draft pick. But, hell, I mean, he, you know, he's, he's challenging some starters for their jobs this year. So that's the kind of stuff I'm looking for this year.
0: So when you head into camp, we always look at the back end to see who may fill out this roster, uh, Mike. But, you know, some of the more intriguing questions, I think, to me, is the right tackle position, where that's going to end up. I think because you want the solidification of the offensive line to protect Jordan Love obviously the rotation of wide receivers. I think uh, the play of Lucas Van Ness in replacement of Rashawn Gary in the meantime between him and Ngabari, who is going to kind of fill the bill over there. I mean, there's some of these position battles that, you know, we talk about every year, but you look at some of these position battles and you're like, some of these could end up being very vital. And is it going to be Zach Tom or Yash Nyman at the right tackle position?
2: Right. Um because the thing about Zach is his feet are great he's a smart kid and he picks everything up and he seems to be kind of versatile like Elton J- uh, Jenkins but he's a little bit smaller he isn't quite the you know the the tackle size and so that's a question mark for me and I don't really have a real feel for what they're doing coming out of OTAs and mini camps when you talk about Lucas Van Ness If they're going to throw in Quay Walker right away, every snap they can at inside linebacker, then they're going to do the same thing with Lucas Vanette out of Iowa. They're going to get him in there early as an edge rusher or part of the games. Um, Luke Musgrave was their second-round pick out of Oregon State. Really smart kid, and, you know, as you have said, with Mercedes Lewis gone, with uh, Tanya now with the Bears, they're going to be a way to get him in there behind Josiah DeGora, you know, and Ty Davis, who I've never really been a fan of. Um, then, you know, there's other these other guys. Tucker Craft, big kid at tight end out of South Dakota State. He'll see some time. Don't have much information on Colby Wooden, the defensive lineman right. out of Auburn. Sean Clifford. Hey, he, Sean Clifford, the quarterback out of Penn State, he had some pretty good flashes this spring. Uh, Daytovian Wicks, uh, wide receiver out of Virginia. Not much information, or Carl Brooks, a defensive lineman out of Bowling Green. I'm going through the draft picks here. the the uh, the place kicker who's going to replace Mason Crosby, Anders Carlson. Well, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, you've got Rich Pasaccia telling all kinds of stories about. I've been watching this kid since he was 14. You know, I worked with. There's one (laughs) kid. There's one, and you know, and then there's that uh, seventh round receiver, Grant Dubose. uh, Looked great on tape, but he didn't practice at all. He had some mysterious. I don't know knee or calf or leg injury or something like that. Uh, Lou Nichols is a is a running back out of Central Michigan. No real feel for him. Uh, Jair Alexander talked up this Carrington Valentine, the corner out of Kentucky. He was a seventh round pick out of those 13 players they took. That's a guy who who probably flashed. But so for me, starting into next week, you know who I can hardly wait to see again. Just kind of like Greg Jennings or James Jones back in the day is Reed, It's Jaden Reed. Oh, mm-hmm. man. I can hardly wait to see that kid in a preseason game because that's the one so far. Even though he's uh, an obvious, a second-round pick out of a big school like Michigan State, that kid was exciting to watch in the spring.
0: So, Mike, uh, take it to the opposite end of the spectrum, the second-year guy in Christian Watson, who everybody feels is going to be the field stretcher and has the most speed. So where is he in this mix? Did he flash? Does he show more than what he showed us last year? Or are we just waiting to see them kind of take the lid off and allow him to go?
2: The problem is Mr. Love doesn't seem to have clear chemistry with anybody except Romeo Dobbs.
0: Which we've seen that with Aaron Rodgers, where he doesn't have chemistry with other guys. We understand that. Um, Is that concerning?
2: Well... Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I would say so, because because you know Christian is is supposed to be the number one guy and with the right. speed and the height and everything. So and I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's the arm. I don't know if it's the timing. Um, but whatever, it just seems like Dobbs. You know. It's just more of that James Jones kind of guy, like man, you could just seem to throw it over the middle anywhere. Or, or Donald Driver, he's just he's gonna handle the football like it's a hand grenade, and everyone's lives depends on him <laughs> catching it mm-hmm. in midair, you know. And Watson can break away, and and every you know, there's there was a lot of plays in eleven on eleven helmets and shorts this spring where the safeties pretty much knew what the play is gonna be, so you know Watson might be in triple coverage and. And all, but we all know that Watson has unbelievable speed, and if he can just get the ball in his hands somewhere over the middle, he's gone, he's gone. But I just, I didn't see enough of those connections with Watson to say, oh, this is a this is a work in progress between him and Christian and, and, and Jordan Love. Mm-hmm. Not not that way with uh, with Dobbs. That, that Dobbs seemed to be his best most reliable target. The rest, everything's new, man. The tight ends are new. The other receivers are all new.
0: Yeah, that's I, – I just – I really – they drafted Christian Watson because of his speed and what he could do. We saw that opening play last year with Aaron Rodgers where he just – it's off of his fingertips, and he just dropped the pass, which should have been clearly a touchdown and made have changed the momentum. Then but he missed the last I,
2: six weeks with an injury. you know, and they, Right, mean, and, he and then he had the banged knee up. surgery. Yeah, he's coming off the knee surgery, going into camp. So he, he's a very smart kid, very hardworking, very competitive, but and very nice, very approachable kid. Um, and he he could be an incredible Green Bay Packer. I mean, just you know, put him on the front of the media guide kind of guy. But so far this spring, there wasn't enough. Oh wow, oh this looks unstoppable. It, yeah. That part you didn't see, and part of that is is Jordan still trying to get in sync with things. Jordan's got a great arm. You'll see athleticism. You'll see quickness. Um, And then I think, you know, I assume, I know Mark Murphy assumes, that we're going to see more of the Shanahan, you know, Sean McVay offenses that they hired Matt LaFleur for. But that was a very interesting conversation. When I brought that up, I said, hey, Mark Murphy said this. And LaFleur kind of flinched and said, uh, I don't have – it's not the LaFleur offense or the Shannon. It's yeah. it's our offense. And it's we talk to our players now. We find out what Jordan wants. We find out what the other players are comfortable with, and we craft it that way.
0: Mike, good stuff as always. I look forward to the reports next week, and then I will see you in person uh, next Thursday as we're up at Lambeau Field getting ready for the, uh, the Packers, uh, you know, uh, not preseason but training camp practice. So uh, we'll sure. see you then too.
2: Week from today. See you then, pal. Thank you, Bill. All
0: right, buddy. Talk to you soon. There you go. That's our own Mike Clements chiming in for a couple of minutes. Some interesting stuff there. Uh, we'll give you an update when we come back because the man, the myth, the legend may take the mound yet again. I don't think so, but he's working it, man. He's working it. We'll tell you what we're talking about when we come back. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
1: Welcome to Pella.
0: Hi, it's come to my attention. I need new windows.
1: You do? Hey, sweetie, what's this? My art project. Honey, it's rotten. We need to toss it. Then why do we have to keep our rotten windows, Dad? Well, you came to the right place. Pella has a limited lifetime warranty on our wood windows, so this doesn't happen again. Thank you.
2: Visit PellaWI.com today.
0: to have you back. Uh, Corbin Burns, 99 pitches, 8 innings. An amazing day. An amazing day for Corbin Burns. What a day. Um, The Brewers, by the way, for those that uh, don't know, they have um, not, and I mentioned this yesterday, they have not lost a series going back to June 21st when they lost two out of three to Arizona. Two out of three to Arizona. And right now they are winning four to nothing over Philadelphia. Corbin Burns going eight innings, two hits, a walk, and a hit batter. An amazing day for Corbin Burns. Almost unhittable. The bender he had, he was cranking it up to 92, 93 miles an hour on the consistent and then bringing in a 70, 79-mile-an-hour mi- breaking ball. I mean, just Amazing day, and now the young kid who is throwing overthrowing a little bit Uribe uh, right now is um, is on the mound to close things out. It's not a save situation, so Devin Williams and company getting the night off, but uh, Uribe uh, just a couple of games into the bigs, he is uh, he is now taken to the hill for the crew. But man, oh man, oh man, what a day for Corbin Burns! Whew. and uh, Christian Yelich, by the way, going three for four, a home run. Uh, a triple short of the cycle. He's got his batting average up to .287 now with a slugging percentage of .480 and his on-base percentage at .376. So uh, Christian Yelich continues to uh, to be incredibly solid. So uh, as long as Uribe can hang on and the Brewers get the win, this will be yet another series win. Again, they have not lost a series since going back to June 21st when they lost two out of three to Arizona. It uh, was the final game against Arizona when they ended up losing, so. Uh, but what a, what an afternoon. Holy mackerel. Craig so Council is going to have a uh, stick-up as
1: you-know-what here until this game's over. Because Uribe's number one challenge has been throwing strikes consistently, Bill. And the right. one thing you can't do up four runs in the ninth inning is start walking guys.
0: Right. So this is Which a good test did. for Uribe. Yeah, yeah. he did.
1: And, and sometimes Council likes to do this with his younger relievers. Test them here and there yeah. and put them in situations where they can learn and grow. But uh, until the win is locked down, Council's going to be over there just biting his fingernails, I can tell.
0: Yeah, Uribe throws that that big changeup, um, and he, now Uribe does heat it up to a hundred miles an hour. But Uribe throws that big changeup, and he just—it's you know the the you know the book on him would basically be making throw your strikes before you start swinging and missing, you know, because he can get wild and the changeup he does not necessarily throw for strikes. So we'll see. But to tomorrow we'll discuss tomorrow on a Friday edition. Uh, obviously, the Brewers going to be returning back home, which is going to be exciting within itself. So. The Brewers will be coming back after the uh, the Philadelphia series. And uh, then they'll be getting into it with Atlanta. Big one with Atlanta. Three games back in American field with Atlanta. And then come the Cincinnati Reds for three more before the Brewers then go back off to Atlanta to face uh, the Braves. And that would then be the trade deadline approaching as they get one game in Washington, and then everything has to be done by then. So you've got, what, nine, ten games remaining before you you know your, your trade deadline approaches. So... Brewers got some good stuff going on. They get yet, or I don't want to prematurely say it. Uribe gets a strikeout, don't get me wrong, but one out, bottom of the ninth. Brewers are up four to nothing, and Corbin Burns threw an absolute jam. We'll close it out tomorrow on the program, a week's worth of programming. Good stuff. Until then, time for us to go. Have a going, <laughs>